Hello, my praying people, and welcome to this, our second episode in our summer series, The Truth About Women. In this episode, I'm going to introduce you to my good friend, Chandelier Chrisman. You're going to absolutely love her. She's so smart, and she has such a way with her words. And as you listen to this podcast, you're going to find out that the idea that God had and the purpose that he had in mind when he created woman, women, us, is very, very different than what the world says that it is. It's very different than what the world says that women are. It's very, very different from what the world says that God said women are. In other words, we are really unpacking the truth about women as we discuss what is meant by the words that God um, used when he described woman for the very first time. And those words are Ezer Kenegdo. So join us in this podcast, our second episode, Truth About Women with Chandelier Chrisman. Hello, my praying people. I'm here today in our second episode of our Truth About Women series with my friend, Chandelier Chrisman. Chandelier is um, coming to us from Chattanooga, Tennessee. If that's right, Chattanooga. It is, yes, Chattanooga. Okay, I, get, so I have a lot of friends in Cleveland, Tennessee, too, mm-hmm. and I know that's not the same as Chattanooga. It's even close. It's kinda, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the same, but Chandelier is from Chattanooga, and um, she and I have been friends for several years even to Israel and back and one of our trips and um she has two daughters and a son her husband and she serves on staff at it's Stewart's Chapel Stewart Heights Uh, Stewart I was gonna say Stewart Heights I don't know why (laughs) I'm getting confused Stewart Heights Baptist Church there Mm -hmm. in Chattanooga right so Chandelier tell our people a little bit about you and your family and then we'll jump into our conversation sure I'm thank you thankful to be here today it's just a blessing to get to talk with you and to to share in this conversation so thanks for inviting me Leanne oh you're welcome I my Keith and my husband and I just celebrated 16 years this week of marriage um, we have three college-age kids. Uh, we have a blended family, so yeah. it leads its own issues that come into play, but we just are yeah. um, thankful to be able to serve the Lord together and to teach and to grow and to, to move through life as the Lord leads. Yeah. I've been in ministry at this church for about 20 years. I've been mm-hmm. on staff for 15 of those, I think. I, I served mm-hmm. as a volunteer before that mm-hmm. and started blog, podcast, goandequip.com of several years ago. Last year was our first year with the podcast, just an opportunity to encourage and equip believers through specific themes, uh, Jewish and Hebrew words uh, that we might not be familiar with. Mm -hmm. Well, and so that's why you're the perfect person to have this conversation (laughs) with us today. (laughs) I love Hebrew. I love it. I love it. Some people just, there's like, it's so hard and I just couldn't, I just can't take the, I just can't take it. And I love it. When we went to, you know, I went to Israel in mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah. 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our guide, Ellie mm-hmm. said so many things that were different interpretations than what we had been taught that mm-hmm. it really caused me to stop and begin to question and dig deeper. Our into are we getting the fuller picture from our Mm -hmm. western mentality or Mm -hmm. should we really be digging further into this middle eastern culture to understand the writers of the bible right right. the last five six years i've just spent a lot of time digging into that and it's fascinating to me and I, Mm -hmm. i just love it well, and culture has such a bearing on language, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It does. And so and the word to word doesn't translate Mm-mm. really Mm-mm. the same no. because our words are interpreted by the context of our culture. And that's yes. what, and, and that's what goes on. So well, yeah, when you look you, at, when you look at, let me interject for a sec, when you look at Hebrew and English, Hebrew is what's called a word poor language in the biblical Hebrew language. There are only about 8,000 words, okay. 8,000. In English, modern English, we have over 400,000 words. Oh, my goodness. Well, so we have a word for everything. And when they're looking at it, they have 
a word that means multiple things depending on what's going okay. on around it or in the context of it. So we right. have to be more diligent with looking at what's going on because we can't just say, oh, well, that's what it means. We have to look right. at historic stuff, geographic stuff, linguistic stuff to understand the full picture of it. Wow. And that's the fun that you have with the yes, Hebrew language. <laughs> it is. They also, with Hebrew, um, this is a fun thing I learned that they do not look at something with function. I mean, sorry, they look at things with the function. What does it do? Not uh-huh. its form. We look at it in what its form is. I like to use an illustration of um, holding a pencil up when I taught a class a couple weeks ago. I held two pencils up and I asked the class to describe it for me. And what they did is they said, it's yellow. It has a pink eraser. It has a sharp point. It's got graphite. It is about six inches long. They just described what it looked like, the form Uh of it. But in Hebrew, they would say it writes. It's a utensil. It's a communication tool. And they Mm. tell what it does instead of what it looks like. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. very good. So they look and at function over form. Well, that's good groundwork because mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about today is um, it, as our second episode in this series of the truth about women, we're going to talk about a Hebrew word, Ezer Kenegdo, which is the word that is um, assigned to women <laughs> in Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And I'm just going to, Shandalee, to get us started, I'm going to read this passage of scripture about mm-hmm. the creation of women as our, as our stepping on place to mm-hmm. then discuss thoroughly this Hebrew word, Ezer Konegdo. So um, in 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Mm-hmm. And that English phrase, helper suitable for him, is the Hebrew word Ezer Konegdo. And that's what we're going to talk more about. And so the Lord God had formed out of the ground, all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the beasts. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. It's almost like God was setting him up to, uh-huh. you know, notice that nothing was the, everybody uh-huh. else had a male and female version of him. And that made Adam realize he didn't mm-hmm. have that. Yeah. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So that is the the Genesis 2, 18 through 25 um, origins of women. And this being the whole podcast series being talking about the truth about women. That's what we're going to be talking about. And so um, let's talk about that, that Hebrew word, Ezer, Konegdo. Yeah, talk, yeah. Tell us so it's that. actually two words, Ezer, and then a second word, Konegdo. Let's go, let's go back to the very beginning, though. Um, I learned okay. something over the last few weeks that was just fascinating to me to put things in perspective. Um, I've been reading the book, The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. Uh-huh. And in it, he talks about looking at the the Bible and reading the Bible as a story, which we're all taught as good Bible students, that it is a story from beginning to end about God's redemption and restoration and how he, he does that plan, how he, he fulfills that plan throughout scripture. But Scott says that each of the stories that are in the Bible, the narratives, the smaller ones all fit into that overarching narrative. And he calls them wiki stories like Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> um, we don't have, we don't have license to go in and change them like they do with Wikipedia, okay. but they are snapshots, small snapshots of the bigger picture of redemption and restoration. So when we read these stories, such as creation, we need to look and see how does this fit into the story of redemption and restoration? Hmm. And if you look at Genesis, it was orally transmitted through 1500 years of history before it was written down. Mm -hmm. They went through up to the time of Moses coming out of Egypt before it was finally written down. God had him write it down and it's and commentators debate whether actually he wrote it or he compiled it from other writers. 
but they were all inspired by God to write this down, no matter who actually penned it. Right. And God gave this to them because they were coming out of a land of bondage. They had been in slavery for hundreds of years, and they had been in the land of Egypt for hundreds of years before that, about 415 years. They had been living in a pagan culture. I kind of think that they might have come out of this with the oral traditions, kind of like our game of telephone, that Uh they would hear something that was passed on orally of their tradition of creation, and then Uh they would hear what was going on in the pagan world around them, and they would assimilate Uh that in. And then Uh they would hear another story, and they would assimilate that in, and then another and assimilate it. And God, when they were in the, the wilderness, gave this reminder of where he created the earth and where he created people and how he created us to be to confront all of the paganism that they had had coming out of bondage. Hmm. So he was saying, I'm your God, not Hmm. all of the pantheon of gods that you've been listening to in Egypt. I created man. I created woman. I created everything in existence and all of the stuff you've been taught or heard through these hundreds of years in bondage aren't true. This is Mm. the truth. So God was saying redemption and restoration through this story of creation because he was giving it to a people that was coming out of a land and a time of bondage that they needed redemption and restoration and time being brought back to him. That's good. They also needed to know who they were. Yes. And and who they were in relationship to God. And so by giving them this story, he's talking about who like basically their identity. This is who you are and this is who I am. Yep. And it and the significance of mm-hmm. our connection. That's yeah. good. I yeah. like that. Well, one step further, this this is just beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, okay, they're in other pagan cultures. They've been exposed to all of these. And then they're going into the promised land in 40 years. And they've got mm-hmm. all these other nations that are going to have all these pagan gods that they're going to worship. And all of those real, all of those nations had creation stories. All of these people groups have creation stories. Mm-hmm. And the main distinctive between those creation stories and the creation story of the bible is is woman they're not mentioned in she's not mentioned woman is not mentioned in most of them and in some of them she's mentioned as weak or easily destroyed or easily overtaken or abused by the gods Mm -hmm. and so she's she's just not a, a she's either written out or she's written as someone who doesn't matter wow and so this 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 belief that women our second class was already in existence when God was confronting this in the wilderness and saying, that's not who you are. Mm. I created you. And he's telling them by Ezra Konegdo, this is who I created you to be. You matter. Mm. You are honored. You are loved and you will make a difference in this world. That's good. I know. That's isn't it? Good. Yes, it is. I love it. Mm-hmm. Putting it I into that context it. to that. So tell us, um, what exactly as Ezer and Konegdo translate to, or, or I know that's like, we just said, you can't really do that, but yeah. let's, let's try. You're, you're doing it yeah. by giving us some yeah. context right now. So let me, I'm going to throw one more, one more thing in here. Okay. Um, you go. <laughs> okay. So something that I learned is that rib is translated as uh, uh, sila is what was translated as rib in most okay. of our English translations and in Hebrew it actually means side okay and so okay. when you when you read it from that perspective it isn't just one piece one little rib piece of bone that God took out of him but when he takes the side of Adam hmm. and creates something complementary complementary to Adam he's saying okay you were you were one and now you're oh. two and now you're going to come back to be one again, and you're going to fully reflect who I am. And Adam says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. If he didn't take the whole side, or at least a good chunk of the side, why would Adam yeah. say flesh of my flesh? Why um, didn't he just say bone of my bone? Yeah, that's good. So th- this is leading into what Ezra Konegdo means is because it isn't something uh, that um, God didn't create woman to be something that is lesser than man. Um, right. Not above man. They're equal. They were created as equals because she was taken out of his side. She was taken um, and, and taken apart from him so that together this humanity could reflect God's glory only when we work together. That's good. So Ezra Konegdo, 
Um, what do you think of when you think of the word helper? Because Ezer is the word helper in most of our modern English translations. What's the definition of helper that you think of? <laughs> you know what immediately came to my mind? What? When you asked it like that, I'm thinking about my kindergarten days. <laughs> And we did a whole unit on community helpers. Okay. You know? Yeah. So it's absolutely. like the garbage man and the policeman uh -huh. and the and the yeah. fireman and the the community helpers. You know, yeah. that's yeah. what immediately comes to my mind. Yeah. Somebody yeah. that does something for somebody else. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Somebody that helps. Well, traditionally, um, Ezra in Rabbi's interpretation summary of this passage, they mm -hmm. believe they kind of translate it this way. God formed man from the dust of the earth, breathed breath into him, then brought life to him. The mm -hmm. word Eve, Eve's name, means mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So he brought life to Adam when he gave Adam to him. Mm -hmm. And um, Hava, which is Eve's name, means full of honor, uh, life mm -hmm. that is full of honor, a life giver, mother of all living. Um, it's again, think back to what I said at the beginning. It's not about our form. It's not about what we look like, but it's about what we function like. Hebrew mm -hmm. is a verb language. Everything is about what you do. The subject of the sentence is the verb, not the noun like it is in English. Yeah. So with, with women, life givers, because mm. we give birth. Right. We bring life to, to people. Um, we can all do that as, as humans by how we speak and how we interact with other people. Mm. But specifically, the name Eve means life. So we are okay. life bringers. And mm -hmm. in this um, in this rabbinic thought, <clears throat> this isn't just a marriage passage. This is all of our relationships with all of the men in our life, mothers okay. and sons, fathers and daughters, cousins uncles and aunts, um, mm -hmm. co-workers. It's all about all of the relationships in our life. Um, mm -hmm. It certainly includes marriage, but it's not just a marriage passage. Um, one rabbi in Israel was asked, what, um, what does helper mean? And he said, there was an enemy in the garden and it was always going to take man and woman together, contending against the enemy and for the way of the Lord. So we were designed to work together to contend for the way of the Lord and contend against the, the enemy. We mm -hmm. complete each other from that famous right. movie a few years ago. Yes. <laughs> we literally complete each other. The word Ezer in the West, we typically think of it as a subservient servant type role, um, secondary to the primary, the weaker of the mm -hmm. two in a relationship. But in the East, in the Middle East, they think of it and define it as aid or strength or helper mm -hmm. Um, and it carries the idea of helping or aiding or strengthening someone in a way they can't do for themselves. Mm -hmm. okay, think about how God um, was an Ezer for the nation of Israel, because that's the only other, not the only, let me back up. That mm -hmm. is one of the only other ways that the word Ezer is used throughout the Old Testament is that God describes himself as an Ezer. He wasn't mm -hmm. secondary. He wasn't subservient and he wasn't weaker. He did for Israel what she couldn't do for herself. Um, we, it is. It really is. We see mm -hmm. in Deuteronomy 33 that he was an Ezer with a sword and a shield. In Psalm mm -hmm. 33, 20, he was an Ezer with a shield. In Psalm 70, verse 5, he was a deliverer. In 115, uh, and then again in 121, he was a warrior. He was a warrior for the nation of Israel. And we are to be those warriors for those relationships in our lives. Mm -hmm. We are to stand side by side, contending for each other in a way that the others cannot do for themselves. And that's good. Yes. And in a, in a nation. So remember, God is telling this to a group of people who had come out of bondage, 400 mm -hmm. plus years of being in a pagan nation. They couldn't do this themselves. They didn't have the identity to say, mm -hmm. this is who I am. But he's reminding mm -hmm. them, this is who you are. This is who I am. And this is how you should walk in my way to fulfill who I created you to be. You know, and what's so good when you put it into the context of uh, Genesis being written on paper, like put mm -hmm. into print yeah. during that time, look at the significant women that are part of that story at that time. Yes. There was um, Jochebed, Moses' mm -hmm. mother, 
yep. who um, was not willing that her remarkable baby boy be thrown into the Nile to die. Right. And so she made the basket and put him there and strategically just happened to be, you know, where the Pharaoh's daughter mm-hmm. was going to bathe. And then uh, Moses' sister Miriam, who not only was there to help make the connection at the beginning of Moses' life, but she also was there when the people of Israel being taken out yes. and she was leading in worship, basically, yes. a, a key person who was doing her role. Like mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about as you're saying this, talking about the role of the helper, like she had a unique role to play right alongside mm-hmm. her brothers, both yeah. her brothers, Aaron yeah. and Moses, as they were going. And so I can even see as you're talking about this and how, where, when God's explaining it, he's also giving them visuals. Yeah. 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 That are living it. And goodness, that's good. And as you were talking, I was also thinking that when I met Tom, my husband in seminary, the real driving force, when I was trying to talk God into you know, Tom being the guy for me because <laughs> I fell in love with him part of him falling in love with me. And so I had to talk the Lord into it. So Tom would come along and um, I'm saying that little tongue in cheek, but uh, I remember just being, and I didn't even know this understanding of Ezer. I just knew that we would be better together. I kept saying that to the Lord, we'll be better <laughs> together. And I was so passionate about wanting to be to him what I could be so that he would be better at what he could be. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And yeah. now on my side, you, you've got sweet 16 in your marriage. I've got <laughs> long 35. And it's bringing <laughs> it back, though. It's good because I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed yeah. to contend with him. I'm supposed to contend you know, for him. Complimentary. Yeah. yeah, contend for him. Yeah. Like for yeah. him. Yeah. And, and so that's much good. in the culture today pits us against each other. Yes. Every male female relationship, it pits us against each other. You know, we, we can't, we can't be friends, but we have to, we have to constantly be struggling and striving instead Mm. of contending with each other for the Mm. way of the Lord, instead of contending against each other. Woo. That's good. Yes. And that's how the, that's how the enemy tries to separate God, what God has put together for for good. He wants to keep us that's good. That's good. Yeah. And yeah. don't we as moms, Chandelier, like we, there's something that happens to us and we get to be mothers. It's just this mama bear in us. Uh-huh. That, yeah. And that is, that's very warrior-like, very it warrior-like. It like, is. Don't be coming between me yeah. and my little bear cubs. Like that's, yep. and we're going to go to battle for that. And there's no quit in that, no. in that battle. No. Think, yeah. Um, in Hebrew, in, in the Jewish culture, um, do you know the member of the family that's allied, allowed to light the Shabbat candles every week. Do you know which person that is? Mm-mm. It's is the it mother. The, the mother. It's the mother who's allowed to light the Shabbat candles. No one else uh-huh. because oh. she's the light bringer Ooh. and she's the life giver. When um, my friend, wow. when my friend, Christy McClellan, I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, go she out there. is a, she is one of my favorite Bible teachers. She has, um, some great, great teaching um, in her, her Bible studies, Jesus on women and gospel on the ground, mm-hmm. and that have, have both recently been released. And she asked a rabbi when she was in Israel um, about this. And he said that the mother is allowed to light the candle because she is the light bringer, because she brings light and warmth to the home. And wow. she's also a life giver. And that is, that was what we're to do. We're to be warriors and contend for those in our circles of influence to be life bringers and light givers, life givers and light bringers. That's good. Yeah. Well, and I, the only thing I can think of, it's not nearly as beautiful as the Hebrew culture (laughs) is if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Uh And I used to teach a conference like that years ago talking about the power a woman has to set mm-hmm. the tone in her home. She does, and, absolutely. And we certainly do. And mm-hmm. that's a, a, that's a natural God-given way that he made us. Yes. That's a part of yeah. being an Ezer. Yeah, it yeah. is. That's a way we are Ezers with our children, with our spouse, with our coworkers, with our dad, with our brothers, with our uncles, cousins, mm-hmm. um, neighbors, anybody that's in our life that we can aid, strengthen, and help them do something that they can't do for themselves. I love it. I think that when I looked up a little bit of research on this word prior to the Mother's Day message that I 
put together called The Truth About Women. I um, had discovered that Ezra Konegdo is used 21 times mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. And uh, two of those times it's referring to women right here in this Genesis two passage. And then I think it was three or four times was referring to the aid that Israel had um, either asked for or gotten from another country, mm -hmm. from another uh, people, you know, another nation. Mm -hmm. And then all the rest of the times are referencing the, the Holy Spirit or the, yeah. or the work of God coming yeah. to Israel's aid. Yeah. And in that way, you're like, wow, I, yeah. <laughs> that does elevate it totally, completely different from, you know, we, okay, so let's talk about this if we're ready to move. And if not, you just jump in yeah. there and tell me yeah. what you have. So, um, you know, if you think about kind of through the ages, the idea of woman that we inherited was mm -hmm. that Adam was the whole deal and we were just a rib, mm -hmm. you know, turned into... <laughs> yeah yeah into this sensual you know object of adam's desire yeah. that actually not only was just a rib but we also were so weak that we succumbed and we instead of being life givers and light bringers mm -hmm. we are the ones that have the shame of having fallen prey to the deception of the enemy yeah and and bringing death rather than light and so that then dwindled down into especially if all the other cultures around did not even have the creation of woman woven into mm -hmm. their creation stories then um very quickly at best our mindset is oh, well, I'm lesser and there are things I can't do because I'm not a man. And so I'm doomed to just be in the shadow of a man mm -hmm. my whole entire life. And, you know, maybe I'm supposed to be typing up the, the great things he's creating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> know how to say it's it just another, way. it's another, it's another layer that the enemy has used to convolute truth. Absolutely. That's a good way to say that. Generally. Because yeah. God created us in Genesis 2 and shows us that his first two words about women are countercultural and mm -hmm. they show honor and esteem and nothing except a word that he uses to describe himself. He doesn't describe a man that way. He describes mm -hmm. a woman with a word that he uses to describe himself as the first thing he says about her. Wow. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's beautiful that God is confronting what the enemy had done already 1500 years before this was written down and he's right. telling them again, okay, look, this is who you are. This yeah. is who I am. This is who you are in me because I created you. I created you with mutuality. I created you to complete each other in ways that you couldn't do by yourself. Yeah. Man can't do that by himself and woman can't do that by himself or herself. Right, right. Mix up my pronouns there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then um, I believe that, um, and I, I like to tell this, and it tells my age, absolutely, but <laughs> I grew up in the 70s, like in elementary, in public schools in the 70s. And um, in our American culture in the 70s, that was when Roe versus Wade was first mm -hmm. um, passed. And it was also a season of women really getting out in the workplace. And mm -hmm. so there was this great big drive of you can do whatever right. a man does. You can get paid like a man for it. And you can even rule over them, you know, in the workplace mm -hmm. and do this. And so and it was not in any way diminished, even though my parents were um, Christians and I was reared in the church as well there was there wasn't a conflict in my growing up of understanding like if I want to be president of the United States you go for it that would be great we need great Christian people in all these places and so I didn't have um really anything stopping me but what the seed that got planted in me in this culture that I lived in was this mindset of almost a little bit of fight, you know, because mm -hmm. we're made to be warriors, but the fight was not placed in the right place. It was Absolutely. more a fight for my, my advancement, uh -huh. a fight for me to have a place for right. me to be heard for me to. And I sometimes think Chandelier, that fight rises up in me more if it's being diminished. Mm, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, that. the word yeah. that's being thrown around the last decade is oppression. When, okay, when that yeah. word gets tossed around that women have been oppressed, 
it's, right. it, it, it brings a whole new light to things that when we look at this passage, God didn't design women to be oppressed. God mm-hmm. didn't design one gender to oppress another gender. He right. designed us to exist mutually. So then our mutual within our mutuality, we can fully glorify him in a way that we can't do by ourselves. That's good. Okay, let's talk about that because you and I were talking prior to our recording (laughs) about these words. And what happened was, I'll tell our listeners, bring her in on that conversation. I said that um, I do not fit very well with egalitarians. Those are ones who believe that women are equal to men. Everything a man can do, a woman can do, Mm -hmm. like same job, same like we, we both bring all of it to the table and we can serve equally. I'm given a very much a layman's uh, definition of this. And then a complementarian would be someone who um, believes that there are roles for women that are distinctly different than the roles for men. And so there's a, uh, and even most likely the complementarians have a, a hierarchical order of mm-hmm. how that roles, right. how those roles take place. And um, I was sharing with Chandelier, <laughs> my good husband and I, we sometimes <laughs> get in funny little arguments and he's like, you've got to pick one. Are you egalitarian or are you complimentary? And I said, yes, I am both. And out of that, Chandelier introduced this word. Mutuality. mutuality. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about yeah. that a yeah. little bit. I refuse to be categorized is. in either. Okay. That's good. I just refuse to be categorized in that or choose sides. Mm-hmm. Because this passage shows us that God created us mutually. He created us out of the side of man so that we can fully reflect him in all of our relationships with men. It is not, um, he didn't design it to be a hierarchy. He didn't design it to be that way. Mm -hmm. And in Genesis 3, we see when that happened, I believe that God was not making a pronouncement of a descriptive text that this is what is going to happen for women for the rest of the life that happens here on earth. But Uh it was prescriptive in saying, because this is what happened, these are the consequences that are going to happen. It wasn't God pronouncing a curse on Mm -hmm. all of women for the rest Mm -hmm. of the existence of the world, but it was a prescriptive Mm -hmm. telling of, Hey, because of these consequences, this is what's going to happen. But When Jesus died on the cross, we see in Galatians that there are no, there's no man, there's no woman, there's no slave, there's no, no, nothing. There's no differentiation because everyone is equal at the foot of the cross. And we either have to say, I'm a new creation and I live under that, or I'm not a new creation. We can't have it. We can't say we're new creations and still hold on to all of this division that the enemy started in Genesis 3 when he came yes. to them in the garden. I love that. So yeah. you're saying that you believe that when Jesus died on the cross and made the way for us to become new in Christ, mm-hmm. that new in Christ does is no longer bound by that, um, that j- it wasn't a judgment as much as a the consequence of mm-hmm. the fall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of, of that. Yeah, it was I, a curse that came with the sin. Yeah. yeah. And while we won't see the full redemption and restoration until we get to heaven, I believe right. that that was moving us toward redemption and restoration here on earth. That brought us back to that point that we can live mutually and we can glorify God together in all of our male female relationships, serving and giving and living with the way that he's gifted us. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So how do you see that? Um, how do you see that playing out? The, the <laughs> mutuality. That's a loaded question. <laughs> of the new creations. Yeah. I mean, I. Well, I, like in an ideal world, like we both yeah. know, even, I mean, this is such good teaching. I hope my listeners are really appreciating what Chandelier's bringing to the table here because it's rich and it, and in so many ways, it's profound to us just because we, like the Israelites who were bound up in all the, the influx of the pagan mm-hmm. stories, we have been bound up in some of the traditional, even in the Absolutely. name of the church yeah. that have happened with women. And now we're understanding this is the biblical um, truth. Mm-hmm. And so how can this play out in a world where 
there's still a lot of confusion, you yeah. know, in, in all of our structures. Yeah. But how does this, what does it look like if this plays out in a way that is really harmonious, like it's working? Well, I think let's let's talk for a second about the word connecto because we didn't get okay. to it. And yeah, I think that good. will kind of right. help answer that question of how this plays out. So okay. connecto is, is it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny word. It's only mm-hmm. used one time in the Bible. Oh, Connecto okay. is used one time and it's called a hypox legoma, hmm. uh, really yeah, legomena, legomena, hypox legomena, <laughs> a really, really funny We're word. We're like way impressed and we don't yes. even know how to spell that word. <laughs> um, so my daddy always told me that if you can't spell it, you can't use it. So I had to learn oh, how to spell it. Okay. But um, so hypox legomenas are used one time. This word is only used to describe a woman so that we can't go to other scriptures like we did with Ezra to see what it means. We have to go to outside literature to see what it means that are that are um, common to that era. And this one means one who stands. It's the word suitable in our English words, in our English Bibles. This is one who stands in front of or opposite someone face to face, asking questions challenging, not letting them go the way they want to go, holding accountable, those tough things that nobody likes to have somebody do that for them. (laughs) So when you put those two words together, God was saying that women were created to stand side by side with man and stand face to face with man, contending with him and for the Lord and for the Lord's ways. And we're going to ask those hard questions. We're going to challenge. We're going to, to hold them accountable. And that's not a fun thing that people want. Oh my goodness. I am a great connecto and I never do it. I am so good yes. at that. And so many women find themselves either an Ezer or a connecto, but we, yeah. we want to be, we want to be a balance of both because yeah, we want to walk right. side by side, but we yeah. also want to stand face to face and we want uh-huh. to challenge and we want to confront. But I think mm. in an ideal world, if we are walking with the spirit, which we're told to do in the new Testament, um, we will do that constantly seeking the Lord's direction of how Mm -hmm. do I stand here side by side? How do I, how do I stand face to face and confront this situation? Mm -hmm. But it takes both men and women doing that. It takes of both genders to say, I'm willing to submit and say, okay, I need some, I need some advice here. Or even when they don't ask, but submit and say, you know, I, I really, that's, that's good wisdom. I really need mm-hmm. to listen to that. And I think mm-hmm. in an ideal world, that's what it would be. It'd be both believers submitting to each other, to the mm-hmm. Lord for his ways and contending together for the living God's way. That is so good. That is good. And I think Chandelier, we probably do have, and I would imagine our listeners do too, some of us have marriages where we're like, yeah, like we mm-hmm. do that. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, there's sometimes I do it better than others, mm-hmm. but there are times in our, in our married life where that's why we um, are not the same person. You know, Tom right. and I laugh all the time because if, if he likes it crunchy, I like it soft. If he <laughs> likes it, you know, sour, I like it sweet. Like yeah. everything is different. But the reason is because we both need that. Mm-hmm. We both need that person who's you know I, I in my not nice ways I'm like you're just a ball in a chain to all of my dreams but in my <laughs> nice way I'm like I'm a dreamer schemer mm-hmm. I'm like you are the anchor that helps my yeah. dreams become reality like yeah. that's what happened yeah and so when we're operating by the spirit then that way of us um stays healthy absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. that mutuality is a healthy relationship with each other and with yes. God. It isn't one yeah. over the other. It isn't mm-hmm. one saying my way or the highway. It isn't right. one forcing their way, but it is standing side by side and face to face together, like submitting to the other one and saying, we love the Lord. We both love the Lord and we're both pursuing the Lord. And that's yeah. in every relationship. That isn't just a marriage. Right. right. We have relationships in workplaces, in churches right. where we serve, in our neighbors, in our other extended mm-hmm. family. And it's it's submitting mutually with those relationships with the purpose of glorifying God and making him known to everybody mm-hmm. through our relationships. That's good. And Jesus said that too. He said, mm-hmm. they'll know that you belong to me because of how you love each yes, other, absolutely. how you're going to treat each other and how yeah. you, and this is such a unique 
um, kind of way of doing relationship. It's very different than mm-hmm. what we see in the world. It sure is. And, um, you know, it's not the kind of thing that gives up, gives in. It's going to find a way to, to be mm-hmm. in that place and be able to continue yeah. to do that. Yeah. What do you think that looks like as a um, parent to child, like a mom to um, her daughters, a mom to her sons? I don't, I mean, this wasn't a question I gave you ahead of time. I just thought <laughs> yeah, it I'm up. going, oh, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I was, I was, on the fly. I was off script, <laughs> but I just know those are relationships. Yeah. It'd be neat to think about what that looks like as a parent yeah. too. Well, I think that, you know, I mean, with kids, we're not here to be their best friends. We right. are here to stand side by side with them, supporting them, aiding them, strengthening them in ways that they can't do for themselves. And right. we do that through boundaries. God showed us that in the book of Leviticus, he set up boundaries for the nation of Israel to keep them safe physically, mm. um, with, with food issues, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sexually, and mm-hmm. with other nations. So he gave them all of these boundaries and he did mm-hmm. that to be our aid and our strength so that, or because we cannot do that for ourselves. And so that's kind of the same thing I look at it with, with parents and kids is we give mm-hmm. them boundaries, we mm-hmm. give them these, okay, this is the boundary. And we do that mm-hmm. so that we can aid them and strengthen them. But yeah. we also stand face to face with them when they're mm-hmm. making wrong choices and mm-hmm. we hold them accountable to those instead of just letting mm-hmm. them go any way they want. Mm-hmm. We stand there and we stand face to face and not let them go any way that they want. And of good. course, these are these are probably younger kids. It's a whole other ballgame when they get to be adults. But right, right, right. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I was just thinking how love is um, loving somebody and keeping the peace with somebody mm, are two different. Love. things. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because the peace keep- isn't always loving them. Right. Cause, mm-hmm. Cause you can keep peace and, and they may feel good about you right. because you kept peace, but they could be headed to a horrible thing. And yeah. sometimes I think as parents, it's really hard for us to be like, no, I, I love you. And even if you get angry with me about this, I have to stand in the way of it mm-hmm. because I love you yeah. because I love you, yeah. even if they don't understand. But how many times yeah. does God do that to us too? Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know? He shows yeah. us probably almost every day of our lives, how much he's an, an easer for us. Right. Ezer, an Ezer for us. Ezer. Um, yeah. yeah. Ezer. I keep saying easer, but it's an Ezer um, of good. showing us how much he, he is aiding us, strengthening us, guiding us mm-hmm. through that and not, and then being a connecto and not letting us do whatever we want. Right. At the same time. And that's how our relationships with each other ought to be as well. So we've talked about um, how this creates a healthy male female relationship, both um, in our workplace, in our homes, in our greater culture in general. Um, How would the world look different if uh, women of God, like we're just talking about women that would potentially be listening to this podcast, not mm-hmm. just any woman out there. Right. Um, how would it impact our world if the women um, who love the Lord were to understand this and embody it? I hope that it means that we as women understand and embrace our identity in Christ as one of hope security, love, concern, and of being valued, Um, of also being that we are light and life bringers in this world, one that we stand face to face and side by side with the men in our lives as we contend for the living God's original design of relationships and contend with the enemy with which we're faced every single day. That's good. Yeah, that's good. And I hope I hope that also if any men hear this, <laughs> yes, I hope right. that it means the men in our lives come to an understanding and knowledge that all of the relationships with women in their lives ultimately point to God and his glory when it's lived out how God intended us to live and to interact. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You know, this whole conversation and when I think about it in relationships to the people in my neighborhood, <laughs> <laughs> sound like Mr. Rogers there. But when I think about the actual, the workplace that I'm in and the, um, the home that I'm in, the neighbors that I have, um, when we live this out, it takes um, a measure of, of trust, mm, I believe absolutely. as well. And that's the faith component to it is we're trusting God as we um, 
fight what's right, uh, mm-hmm. fight for what's right. And we're trusting God when we choose to put ourselves out there to come alongside and strengthen somebody in need. And so there's a, that's the beauty of the fact that it's not just me and him or me and them. It's, it's the Lord in the mix of mm-hmm. it as we're all yielding yeah. to him. And yeah. even when the relationships get hard because we've not done this well, we also have the aid of the Lord coming mm-hmm. in to help, you know, yeah. mend that too. And I think that's yeah. a real encouragement to so go. Too. I think all in all, Chandelier, just talking about this, um, it energizes me and it also settles me, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, I think many Christian women have a, a hard time because we get caught in between this um, personification of the very quiet and shy mm. and, and <laughs> submitted and this woman that I am not, you know, yeah, me either. A picture of her. and then we, in between her and then, you know, a Nancy Pelosi, like somebody yeah. that's, gung-ho for all the radical things and Mm -hmm. this big feminist movement and um and we're not either I'm not that and I'm not Mm -mm. that but I'm this like that's what I love about this yes even better than either of those it is it is it is it's so much better because it's so much fuller and deeper and richer because we're not we're we're not pursuing feminism for our own sake we are pursuing godliness and a right relationship and, and a right living out of how he created us to be. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I just, I love this. I just have, um, I've spent so much time in this and it's just, mm-hmm. I, it's taken me months and months to be able to articulate what I'm feeling and reading and studying and, and to be able to talk about it is just, mm-hmm. it's freeing. And like you said, it's, it's peace filling and joy filling yes, to know that my role in my relationship isn't defined on what, what I look like, but it's yeah. defined on what I do in the relationships around me and with I God. That. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Chandelier, is there anything else you want to tell us that you I, haven't told us? I think I probably could go on for a long time, but I think we're probably covered oh the goodness. basics for today. Oh girl, that was so, <laughs> is so good. And I really believe, in fact, I'm going to say right now out loud in front of you, I want any of these listeners that are like mama ages, mm-hmm. share this with your absolutely, because your daughters need to hear this. Yes, I mean, do. we're just now, look at us, Chandelier's yeah. putting it into such beautiful words. I'm feeling just the excitement of the freeing of this, even <laughs> in just this conversation. I hope that other people are too. But let's teach our daughters and our granddaughters so that they understand and know. And then they're not always fighting something, thinking it's wrong when it's very, very right. Mm -hmm. They just don't understand how to the context of it. You know, contending with the avoid. Yeah, they're contending with instead of against. Yes, yes. And so I think that our young girls really need to know when I got finished with my Mother's Day sermon that Sunday, um, the when a young girl came up to me and she's a senior in high school in tears and she was like can I just meet with you some more I want to talk about this I she's like this is huge I don't Mm -hmm. I I never understood I never understood Mm -hmm. and I didn't my message wasn't all about Ezra Connecto that was a piece of it Uh but it was really just this whole who we are and as we go through this summer series we're going to continue you know with each part of this but this part of it I believe is like the huge secret that the mm-hmm. hidden piece it's like the linchpin it is <laughs> we got to go all the way back to the beginning because the enemy has distorted it yes. and we have been living in traditionalism with that distortion yes. for all of these thousands of years that's right yeah and we know it's not right that's why we always feel like something isn't quite right here. exactly feel like right. a, feel like yep. i'm in a box that i don't belong in that's right <laughs> well and think about all the giftedness and all the talent and all of the skills that mm-hmm. women are bringing right that need all it needs is the environment that is mm-hmm. free to express all of that in. Yeah. and I am grateful that I do believe that um, modern day Christianity is growing toward that uh-huh. um, that place that yeah. women are finding more um, opportunity to mm-hmm. uh exercise the gifts that God has given us. And, and I'm a real believer that when you put your yes on the table, the Lord's going to use you and he's going to find the ways for you to, 
you know, exercise those gifts. And so absolutely. Um, I absolutely, I think they will. Well, Chandelier, would you mind closing us out in absolutely. prayer, just praying for um, women today mm-hmm. for us to really, maybe I hope that people will just go home and and um, meditate on this. Like we just need to yes. <laughs> chew it up. I feel like yes. I've been served a great big buffet <laughs> and I just need to go home and digest it a little bit. So good. Absolutely. So please close this out in prayer if you don't mind. I, not at all. I'd love to. Lord God, we come before you and we just want to thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the ability to study it and to learn from it and grow from it. Lord, we thank you that you have given us these first two words of how you designed women, that you've designed us to stand side by side and face to face all of the relationships in our life so that we glorify you. Lord, I pray that our listeners that are hearing this conversation would have their eyes opened, would have their ears opened, have their hearts opened to realize who they are in you and be encouraged by that, be lifted up by that and learn to walk in that. Lord, we love you so, so very much. And we lay all of this at Jesus's feet. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Chandelier, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this. Always a pleasure to to be around you and to have conversations with you, but especially (laughs) over this today. Yeah, it has been fun for sure. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode in our Truth About Women series. I told you you were going to love Chandelier, didn't you love her? <laughs> I hope that you'll continue joining us throughout the summer. We're just in episode two. We've got seven more to go, and I can't wait to introduce you to the people that I've got lined up, these amazing women who are leaders in ministry that will be talking to us um, throughout the summer. Next week's podcast, I'm going to be interviewing my friend Latan Murphy, who is an author of um, a book about women in the Bible. And we're going to actually talk about several of the women in the Old Testament that genuinely demonstrate what it's like um, to live out our purpose in the way that God created us as the Ezer Konegdo in the world today. So be sure to join us um, for our next podcast with Latan Murphy. If you're enjoying this series of podcasts, please um, take a minute to subscribe to the Prayer Clinic podcast so that you won't miss a single episode. Take time to give us a rating. That'll help us in the world of podcasting so that ours will pop up maybe when people are searching for um, just what we're giving them and what they're looking for. And then also, please um, tell your friends about the Prayer Clinic podcast and specifically our Truth About Women series so that they can join us as well. Until next time, keep on praying, my praying people.